Welcome back, all of our wonderful listeners, to my sister made me view it, the Roswell 1999 edition. You've got me, Emily, who has seen this season. Yes! Uh, I think it's a huge relief to everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And we've got Megan, who has not seen it and has made it through season one to season two, and we're very proud of her. Thank you, thank you. I'll take my medal now. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to do a podcast. We're making a podcast. And in reality, a podcast. I should be writing my book. I should be painting key art. But... We're going to talk about Roswell. Yeah. Specifically, today we are talking about Roswell Season 2, Episode 2, Ask Not. Meg, overall very brief feelings about this episode. I'm glad things are moving and stuff is happening. And I am always pleased when my predictions come true. <laughs> we, we got the reveal of the skin character and it's Kyle's time to shine shine on kyle Kyle and tess are flirting and also living together but not like that (laughs) (laughs) and they were roommates (laughs) they were roommates all right yeah so this episode uh like megan said things have moved along i love that that's happening already so fast in season two Mm -hmm. because I remember one of the things we talked about in season one is that it felt like every time they got answers, stuff just got taken away from them and they never really made it past like step one or step two. It was always go back to start, do not pass go, do not collect $200. But in this one, yeah, we're getting story plot and especially towards the end, they think something's going on and we'll talk about it when we get there. But I love the reveal that they get about the new owner of the UFO Center. You don't even have to wait six episodes to figure out what's I going know. on. I really, really love it. Although, RIP to the owner of the last UFO Center. He's not dead. He's just gone. But not forgotten. Oh, it's it's the season two sweeps, y'all. Listen, this happens in a lot of different TV shows. After you make it past your first season, the creative team sits down and is like, okay. And I'm not saying that they that shows usually do like hard reboots for season two, but um heroes <laughs> heroes uh like an example of this is bones where mm-hmm. the director of the jeffersonian they lay off the actor for that and they bring in camille saroyan who i do really like um but they also get rid of wong fu's chinese restaurant and then they replace it with the royal diner and it's like and then it's the royal diner for just the rest of the show and so I'm I'm sad that Max's boss has gone the way of the season two sweeps. But who do we have instead? This Australian weirdo <laughs> who seems nice and he could be nice. an asset <laughs> later on. And Emily, Emily, there's more aliens out there. I know Nisato's not going around healing people's leukemia. <laughs> he hates people. He wants all humans to die, but there is yeah, a Katara alien out there doing good and healing people. Because she can Katara heal. Katara alien? She's, you oh, know, she okay. heals people magically. I, I know it's Last Airbender. Yeah. Got it. Got it. It just, it took me a minute. It's been a long day. It's it's the end of a long day, yes. but we're here podcasting. Yeah. But we got new alien powers in the very first scene of this of this episode, Megan. No, actually, Emily CDs is the original alien power we saw. 
Oh, that's the original. When did we see that? Uh, Isabel plays CDs oh. in the car in season one. What did I say? Can you read that? <laughs> it says CD listening. <laughs> However, we are getting a new twist on it where instead of playing just one CD at a time, she's playing two at a time like a DJ on a spin table. dj Ian. Did I say CJ? <laughs> No, I don't think you oh. did. I was just, I was writing down a note, DJ Ian. <laughs> it's, it's a scene where everyone is there except Max. The diner is closed down. All the girls are there looking super cute. And they're all dancing to the music. And <laughs> Very X-Men evolution. <laughs> yeah. They Which... have, okay. Oh, go ahead. What? Sorry. So I was watching these two girls dance, and I'm like, hey, it reminds me of that very particular cut from X-Men Evolution when Rogue and Kitty are dancing together. And then I remembered that is actually rotoscoped from a shot from Buffy the Vampire Slayer of Faith and Buffy dancing together. So how did they get permission to do that? They did Did not. they just buy the rights to it? No. Oh, they didn't. They didn't. <gasps> oh, no. They just, they just used it as reference. Because... Shot for shot? Just, just one shot. There's just one cut that they did where an animator, like, okay. clearly that was the the shot they were referencing. Because, you know, okay. it was the 90s and we didn't have DVDs yet. They didn't know that nerds were going to frame by frame literally everything they did and been like, <laughs> hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to say this as it's going to sound like, back in my day, and that's not how I, I mean to make it sound, but the shot comes down and there's a huge CD holder on the table, like... I still have mine to this day. I threw away all my CD covers, all the hard jewel cases and everything. But it's like a, it holds like one to 200 CDs. And I'm looking and they all look like they are like mixes, burns that they've made themselves. And so that was that was the hardest part when you got in your car is to get out your giant CD binder and flip through it. And what do I want to listen to? And Anyways, you it know? just, it gave me all the nostalgia feels. <laughs> I bet they're not mixes they made themselves. I bet production just brought a hundred blank CDs to use <laughs> in this scene. <laughs> but, uh, so I didn't realize at first, it took me a minute to realize that this episode is continuous with the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, which at the very end of last episode, Nisato died in Max's arms quite horribly. And... Um, so we're cutting to our friends just having a party alone in the crash down, dancing for the the girls are dancing for the boys. Listen, not yeah, like that. that. A weird. Not like that. But um, Maria is definitely trying to get Michael's attention. Anyway, whatever. That's not what's important. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to Michael running shirtless through the streets of Roswell. Then we cut to Max running shirtless through the streets. Megan, it's season two. <sighs> You gotta get over this. I can't help it. There's too okay. many M names on this show, including mine. <laughs> <laughs> the cut to Max running shirtless through the streets of Roswell and like running. Now, Emily, mm-hmm. you told me in the past that you like watching people run. I do like watching people run. Like, listen, uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. When Spock is running and chasing Benedict Cumberbatch through the street. Love that. Uh, Listen, Tom Cruise is an amazing actor. 
I love all the shows where he runs. Uh, did I send you the TikTok video of the guy who imitates runs from different movies? Yes. And we had Forrest Gump yeah, and Johnny sent, Depp. And... I sent that to you because I knew you would like it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, here's a little bit of trivia. May, I swear we've already talked about this on the podcast, but now I can't remember. Trivia um, comes from the word trivia, which is three ways and often refers to inns that would be stationed at major crossroads and were the facts and stories that were relayed to people staying at the end. It were things that you learned at the three-way, the trivia. I didn't know that. That's a new piece of trivia that, that now might I not know. be true, actually. <laughs> I'm going to double check that so I'm not just... You think people would do that? Go into podcasts and tell lies? So while you're looking that up, here's my piece of trivia. Uh, So usually in a movie, as you all know, there are stunt actors and, you know, that do the dangerous stunts. Uh, They also have running stunt people. Um, They couldn't hire one for Chris Evans. Any scene that you see Chris Evans running in in the Marvel movies, that's actually Chris Evans because his gait is so unique. They couldn't find someone to match it. And so anytime you see Chris Evans running, that's 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 him. They should have hired that TikTok guy. Anyway, <laughs> listen, I was wrong. Trivia comes from the Latin trivialis, meaning found everywhere, commonplace. <laughs> One meaning of trivia is unimportant matters. <laughs> because um, trivial pursuit, if something is trivial, it's of little consequence. But I still like my trivia. Oh, we had, we have an old, old version of trivial pursuit. It's like a, it's from the 70s, maybe the 80s. 80s, maybe. I feel like there's some movies maybe. there that are... But the thing is, my parents love playing it because they know all the answers and we hate playing it because we know none of the answers it was like name the pitcher at the world series in 1978 for the so-and-sos and And i'm going "Ah, oh yeah ah." yeah emily could you name the pitcher at the world series in 2021 absolutely not yeah because they didn't have the world series in 2021 trick question (laughs) (laughs) why didn't they have it in 2021 i don't know if you noticed um but there was a global pandemic that was 2020 it's still going going also i don't think the world series is every year when is the Listen, world? I'm not a I'm not a sports person. I'm a Marvel person. Well, here you go. I just searched when is the World Series, and it let me know that it was October first, nineteen oh three. Oh, I was super wrong. There was a 2021 World Series. It began on October twenty sixth and concluded on November second. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Who was the pitcher? Well, it tells me you that asked the Joe, question. Buck, Joe Buck was the TV announcer. That does nothing for my question. Listen. Anyway, we're say. off track. <laughs> How did we get on this? How did we get on this tangent? Running. Max is running. 
That's how we got here. And you mentioned that they needed to use stunties for, they couldn't use stunties for Chris Evans. Well, they also can't use stunt actors for Max Evans. This boy is taking all of his own falls. And not only that, because he's shirtless, he takes some like big trips. Like he runs over like into a table and falls. Because he's shirtless, he can't wear any safety padding. That was something that was hard for uh, Scarlett Johansson in the first, the 2012 Avengers, that chair fight scene is she mm-hmm. did it in a uh, a strapless black dress, which means that neither she or her stunt actors could wear any padding because they had to keep the bare arms consistent, which is dumb. Dress your actors so they can stunt safely. <laughs> I wonder if this is, okay, this may be a stupid question, but I wonder if this is a WB thing because, Meg, did you ever watch Smallville? Yes, remember when that girl um, had a kryptonite smoothie and it made her open her mouth four times as tall as it should be able to and she ate a whole deer? Amy Adams? Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a famous a famous stunt that they do. Um, there's a shot of Clark Kent getting hit by a car on a bridge. Clark Kent. And... <laughs> <laughs> How much sleep did you get or not get last normal. night? Normal. <laughs> I had normal sleep. Normal. I had four hours like always. <laughs> I had eight hours. Okay. So if you go and look up this stunt, it is not computer graphics. It's none of that. It is they set it up so that the actor actually got like they shoot it so the actor gets hit by the car and goes off the bridge with the car. It's not a stunt person it's not a cg anything it was a we have to get this shot and so i'm sure things have changed for actors since then but that is a that would have scared the pants off of me if i had to do that and be that actor uh you know one of my favorite movies the fall yeah the movie is about a stunt guy who falls off of a train trestle and breaks his back and ends up in the hospital because they do like a whole stunt with him jumping out of the way of a train and he ends up getting hurt and stuck in the hospital. A very handsome Lee Pace plays the stunt man. (laughs) But this is Maxwell Evans running. And, And it's not just like a couple flashes. It's He runs for a long time. A significant amount of time. But he runs in and collapses in the cafe and immediately just like, Nisato's dead. He died in my arms. And, you know, party over. Atmosphere crushed. And they're trying to figure out what happened. And he's they're explaining. And they're like, where is he now? And he's like, he's still in my bedroom. And Isabel's just like, are you serious? Do you want to hide a body? It doesn't have to be in one piece. I'm calling the cops. Okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) But they're just like, well, we can go get him. We can bring him back to life like they did. Wake me up. Wake me up. (laughs) Wake up. Save me. Meg, what happens? Does it work? Nope. He uh, he goes ash to ashes, dust to dust. <laughs> literally. That's literally Just what happens. Crumbles away. Yeah. It's yeah. very sad. So 
I think Isabel's the only one who kind of realizes what this means to Tess because she says, Tess, I'm so sorry. That's her dad. I keep telling people this through the whole episode. And they're like, why is Michael hanging out, Max hanging out with Tess? I'm like, because she lost her dad and she's sad about it. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, season one, I think they did a pretty good job, like, with the emotional hangovers or, like, emotional fallouts or whatever but yeah this one i think people just forget that nisado it was nisado and tess for her whole life this is really the only person she's ever hung out with she has little to no social skills you know she has no no sense of personal boundaries (laughs) tarzan but um so they're not quite sure what to do next and this is where we get our very famous I am what I am. I do what I want. But the I, title. I can't hide. I can't <laughs> sleep. I can't breathe until we get to season three. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, the best, Thanks. best part of the whole episode. Uh-huh. begins now what happens Megan who shows up Kyle's back it is Kyle's, Kyle's time back to shine thank goodness he gets so much screen time in this episode good he's in the opening credits he deserves it he is such a good actor he best best character of this of this episode best so he's coming back from football camp and he gets off at the bus station and I was like, no, surely not. Because he's just <laughs> sitting at the bus station and I'm like, his father forgot to come get him from the bus station. Like, his, this boy died last season. Do, have, do right. you not value him anymore? Apparently and not. his dad shows up, he's like, he's like, oh, things have been rough. And he goes... Dad, you're two hours late. And the sheriff's kind of like, that's just what happens sometimes when you work with aliens. And I'm like, oh, so Max is in. And so, so sorry, Kyle. This is confirmation that Kyle is in on the alien secret. He knows about the aliens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he kind of also, I think, went to football camp to get away from everything. He he mm-hmm. does not really want to be sucked up in this because for his dad, this is this is like vindication for years and years and years of his father's obsession. Mm-hmm. This is not something Kyle is interested in yeah. at all. Like yeah. at all. And so he's he's kind but, uh, of bummed that the it's... minute he gets into town everything's overshadowed by aliens and he's starting to say some weird stuff megan you pointed this out i did okay i thought he was possessed for a bit because he starts spouting off like this weird poetry and then says something about like we are all as dust and i'm like dust nisado turns to dust and so i had this great theory in the episode that kyle was possessed by this skin creature i was not correct but it was a good theory uh, we find out instead that Kyle has turned to religion. He uh, learned about, he's started learning about Buddhism because after he discovered the existence of aliens, he started questioning about the meaning of existence, period. An interesting direction to take your jock character. I'm yeah, for it. Yeah, he's well-rounded. Yeah. Um, 
Well, the summer has ended. Everyone's back in school. Uh, Michael is less than thrilled because he wants to go out and figure out what's happening and who the skins are and what's going on and all of this stuff. And Max has kind of decreed, no, we're going to go to school. We're going to put our heads down. We're going to blend in. We're going to kind of keep the status quo like it's always been. No, no, no. (laughs) Stick to the stuff you know. And so Isabel's in a tough position. Keep going. Cool, follow one. Uh, we see this several Simple times. Rule, Isabel is in a mess with <laughs> Isabel's in a tough position because she's literally stuck in the middle between Michael and Max, where the two of them want the opposite things, and they always ask her to step in and be tiebreaker. And I would, okay, I think maybe I would like to know that I have the power to <laughs> be a tiebreaker. Uh huh. But I would hate the emotional damage uh burden of you know yeah like if i went with michael at one point max my brother would be mad at me but if i go with max Mm -hmm. at one point michael my dearest best friend will also be upset and it's just a really terrible thing to put her in the middle so and also she's michael's uh, destined honey bunch right she and mm -hmm. michael are destined to be lovers. Yeah. yeah. According to the momogram. Well, uh, so they're at school and Max kind of feels like he's being watched. And there's some cool camera stuff going around that clearly shows like someone's behind him. And it's like cool inverted colors and everything like that. Max, instead of sticking around and blending in like he said, goes and looks immediately for the person who's watching him from afar. Uh, and we find a new power. Enough. Shield power. He just, shield power. He creates a shield when stunned. A scream. And he does it in front of a human who for some reason is, is welding torch in a closet. And dangerous. when. Yeah. So uh, Max throws the door open, uh, sees this figure, you know, turn with like a weapon, you know, this torch Mm-hmm. And Max puts up the shield instinctively. It's kind of cool because you can see he's also surprised of like, what just happened? I didn't um, know I could do that. He instinctively puts up the shield and the guy turns around with the torch. Okay, listen, when you use a blowtorch, you use this very special mask that will like, you can look at the sun in this mask safely because it's it's so heavily shielded. But the guy just leaves the torch on. He's going to blind a kid. He's going to blind a kid in school. He's not being a safe. This is very unsafe. So we have not, no gun safety laws, no blowtorch safety laws in Roswell. This is a very dangerous town. And uh, people should know better. Yeah. Uh, Man, no wonder the hospital was so busy when grandma got run over by a reindeer. (laughs) But we kind of get the, the title the reason for the title. Uh, the title of this episode is called Ask Not, which I believe is a, it's the takeoff of JFK's Ask Not What You Can Do For Your Country. Ask, or Ask Not What Your Country Can Do For You, whatever. I don't, no, I, I didn't take AP U.S. History. Ask Not but your, What Your Country Can Do For You. Um, ask Instead What You Can Do For Your Country or, or something like Perfect. that. Because if you remember, we talked about this on, was it Way of Kings? When I was like, 
oh yeah, Nathaniel Hawthorne said that around the time of the American Revolution. And we looked it up and it's like, <laughs> no, in fact, that is not the case. You did take U.S. history. I did. AP I got a five. U.S. history. You did. You're very smart. I was the only person in my year at school who got a five on both the AP Lit test and the AP U.S. history test, which meant I went up on Burrell and Wolsey's wall in a special frame and no one else did. Uh, <laughs> it was really great. I actually beat out the valedictorian because very few of us got fives on the AP Lit test that year. Our AP Lit teacher was amazing. Yeah. Loved her to death. She loved Emily Dickinson, loved her. I was always talking about the year that they put Emily Dickinson on the AP Lit Test and how amazing it was and blah, blah, blah. And they put Emily Dickinson on the AP Test the year I took it. And she oh, was just special. so thrilled about that. So, uh, yeah. There was someone in my year who he ended up dropping out of school, I think, to start his own business. But uh, he really hated the poet like he had a really hard time with the poetry unit that we did in AP lit mm -hmm. and she had a poem up on the projector one day and she was talking about how this poem is about a butterfly and like pointing out the symbolism and the language and like you know the reference I don't know maybe there was like a reference to weather or something like that and this kid just goes on and on and on about how you can't possibly know that's what the person was thinking that art is subjective and every person should be able to define the poem what they think the poem is about <laughs> and she got to say okay this poem is literally called the butterfly and I was like <laughs> I'm using this in a movie someday. <laughs> or a podcast. I'm using it in a podcast, podcast. right now. Woo. For a pilot test, you have to pick a novel and like basically write an essay about it during mm -hmm. the test. Mm -hmm. And afterwards we're all going around the room and saying what book that we what book we had picked of the books that we'd read that year. You know, people are going, oh, I wrote about Lord of the Rings. Oh, I wrote about Frankenstein. Oh, I wrote about Jane Eyre. Oh, I wrote about Tessa the Dubervilles. And she gets this one kid who was one of my favorite, favorite people. And he goes, well, I wrote about Tennis Shoes Among the Nephites, <gasps> which is... <laughs> no! <laughs> wow, you guys, that is a, uh, a fantasy novel where kids go back in time to the Book of Mormon uh, it's it's a, an LDS fantasy novel. Um, I can imagine that it didn't go over well with the AP board. Well, here's the thing. Miss Wolsey just like was speechless. And she goes, please tell me you're joking. He goes, yeah, I'm joking. I wrote about Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, you could see the color just like drain out of her face. Well, my year... One of the essay questions was about foils, narrative foils, mm -hmm. um, which uh -huh. boils down to two characters who are going through the same situation and how they react reveals things about their upbringing and like their connections to the other character. It's, it's like a whole thing. And one of the examples we had used in class all year is about uh, how Harry and Draco from the Harry Potter books are foils. Because they both come from high up wizarding families and they have great expectations placed on them. But every time uh, Woolsey brought this up. Oh, yeah. And they're both very rich. Harry's very rich. Anyway, every time Woolsey brought this up, she was like, don't write about this in your AP Lit essay. 
don't write about <laughs> Harry Potter because the books were like just first starting to come out and they're really seen as for children, which, you know, they are. They're books for kids. Well, hey, there was a question on the AP Lit essay about foils. And I used the book as I lay dying because <laughs> brag time when our AP Lit teacher went out of town, I was voted on by the class to teach the class for the week that she was out. <laughs> and so I did the unit on As I Lay Dying and like in a panic to prep, I read the book 14 times. So I used it in my essays as much as I could. Anyway, when we're overviewing the test, when it was all done, uh, it comes to light that a great number of people in the class wrote about <sighs> Harry and Draco as foils. Oh, no. Sorry, folks. Save it for your fan fiction. <laughs> you know who's a foil? Kaladin and Moash. They're foils. I like that. Because one's great and one's stupid. <sighs> We're just going to have to keep reading because you know what? You're right, Emily. Kaladin is stupid. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. I'm so sorry. Let's bring this tangent back around. Uh, Mercury... You know who is a foil? Who's you know a foil? who's a foil? Who's a foil? Milton Max and, and Brody. Who is Milton? Milton's the name of the previous UFO center owner. Okay, that's that's not a foil. Sure it is. No. It's two different people. If anyone, Max and Michael are foils. Okay. No, listen. Narrative I, foils. Okay, stop. Stop. You don't get to tell me what I think about what I'm viewing. The poem is I literally titled The Butterfly. <laughs> Well, sadly, Milton is gone. We season two gone too soon. We love you. We miss you. Um, he apparently sold out. Uh, he sold his business to this guy named Brody, and Brody now has Michael's old hairdo. Uh, so it's the tradition <laughs> is continuing. I think to find gravity. My hair's so high. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And Max goes in, I guess, for his job, and there's all these moving people, and stuff's getting packed up and moved around, and and this weird guy comes up, and he's like, are you Max Evans? And basically, it's a really weird conversation of, you didn't see anything, Max. You didn't see anything. I'm your new boss. Don't tell anybody about this. And Max is like, hey, and he just he just leaves. <laughs> he's like, this is, this is really weird. <laughs> yeah, I, okay, I fell for it i fell for the red herring of this guy i'm like he's another alien so like i didn't think he was the skin creature um mm -hmm. and i didn't think he was more fbi i thought he was going to be another alien because i'm convinced there's another alien roaming around out there and i am proved correct by the end of this episode because um max breaks in later to check out what's going on he finds if you remember from the season finale there was the dude sitting in the car with the little handheld device that like the lit up and was like there was a spinny wheel and it was like beep 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 beep. Brody has one of these and his computer is up with our favorite astronomy graphics, graphics uh, talking about something happened on May 14th and Max realizes that's the day that we turned on the orb communicators. We got the message from our mom. This is connected somehow and um they're really worried that brody is the skin that that um is attacking people because 
the skin shows up again. Max is walking Tess home. They're talking about, Tess is talking about, oh, I kind of remember stuff that went on. Like I, Nisato taught me some memory retrieval. So she has some memories of the, their past life, their actual past life. And Max is trying to tell her that's not me. And she's like, yes, it is. It's your destiny. It's the same old argument. When they, he walks Tess home, uh, they get to her house and there's, they realize someone else is in the house and they chase them out and they find a piece of the skin like sitting on a bush. And so they realize Tess is not safe, that someone was after Nisato and now they're after Tess. So what are they going to do with Tess, Megan? The sheriff has a new, he's just adopting every child now um, at the expense of his current son. Yeah. Um, the sheriff uh, takes Tess in to stay at his house under his quote-unquote protection because he's done such a stand-up job protecting Kyle so far. Shot him. Um, and now <laughs> Tess will get the chance to forget everything she ever learned about gun safety. There you go. Because the sheriff shows up in his bathrobe, finger in the trigger well, when someone knocks on his door, it's Max and Tess, and they're properly horrified that there's a gun being pointed at them. But yeah, Kyle wakes up the next morning. Uh, I love this actor. I just love how he played Kyle. I I love Kyle. Love him. Love him. He is not exactly a golden retriever. Like, there are golden retriever characters. Kyle's not quite there, um, but he's close. He's... Yes, Megan? If the cast of Roswell, if the characters of Roswell were dogs, Emily, what kind of dogs are they all? Oh. This is a very, very hard thing. Um, I would say Max is a German Shepherd. He has no sense of humor. I was going to say Michael's a German Shepherd. But you know what? I could see Max as a German Shepherd and Michael as a Doberman. Yeah, yeah. Isabel would be... Either an Afghan or a Poodle. Something like I was just going to say... I was literally going to say an Afghan or a Poodle. I was like, what's a graceful dog? And I'm like, the long Afghan dogs. That's yeah, really, really funny. Yeah. Okay, so Kyle's not a golden retriever. But would you consider a yellow lab? I would. I'd actually also consider a Capuchon. Of course you would. That's your dog. <laughs> uh, I would put Kyle, not Kyle. I would put Alex as a beagle. Mm-hmm. I would put um, Liz as maybe a herding dog, like an Australian blue healer, or maybe as a Spaniel. An Aussie. Or or a Spaniel. To know, I would see Liz as a Spaniel. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Maria. Something small. And Bichon. Maria's a Bichon. I would also almost say a Chihuahua. Because I was gonna say Chihuahua, and I'm like, that's rude to call a person a little no, rat dog. No. But no, I was gonna because of like her energy and like her yeah her uh, and a ways lot of times all they, uppity on people bigger than her. Yeah, they take themselves very seriously. <laughs> See, we're connected. <laughs> oh, did we get everybody? Did we get Tess? What would Tess no, be? No, we didn't get Tess. 
Okay, do you know what? Isabel is an Afghan and Tess is a poodle with very extravagant. She's the one from Oliver and Company. Yeah. <laughs> Boys, we got work to do. Yep. Nisado's a bulldog. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we're missing someone. The sheriff? Oh, yeah. Hound dog. Yeah. Like a bloodhound or something. Yeah. <laughs> Pointing, but like. But the one from Lady and the Tramp who's lost his sense of smell. Oh, no. <laughs> he is not a good detective. No. Um, but I love Kyle and Tess's interaction because he walks out of his bedroom that first morning, sees mm-hmm. a girl on the couch wearing. I don't know if it's his buttoned-up shirt or if it's the sheriff's. I hope it's yeah. not the sheriff's because that's super inappropriate. But he just sees this girl sleeping on the couch, and he immediately is like, Dad, what's going on, Dad? And he's like, what are oh, you doing here? And she's like, I live here. <laughs> Kyle wakes up. He hits his alarm, and then he instantly hits the grounds and just starts doing push-ups as fast as he can. <laughs> and he counts. To, he goes, one two three and then he stops counting and he just keeps doing push-ups <laughs> but tess has no personal boundaries has no qualms about borrowing anything and i don't know if that is a personality thing or if that is a nisado thing uh-huh. does that make sense if it's a nature or a nurture thing because yeah. we later find her in kyle's room wearing kyle's clothes going through all of kyle's stuff and she's not embarrassed about it at all she's just like yeah this is here why shouldn't i go through it yeah i would argue that nisado did not teach her to respect others that he's like oh you are to be married to a prince you're different than the others especially i guess especially humans too i mean she would not respect humans because exactly like what you said she's has all these powers and quote unquote is so much better than them just because they're so much better than them so i'm confused as Mm -hmm. to when liz is being an intern what time of day i know that's a stupid thing to be confused about it looks like it's morning because the congresswoman just arrives but school is back in session i don't think congress people work on the weekends like maybe liz is getting a free period to like do this as like an internship or something but i'm just very confused as to the time frame of this um, but the congresswoman oh go ahead well i was gonna say if you remember the style of the show involves a lot of sideways light so they shoot a lot of mm-hmm. things in what seems like the morning or seems like the evening my guess is mm-hmm. is that it's after school maybe the congresswoman was just out for a break you know mm, dinner okay. break and now she's coming back in to hang out with liz okay that makes sense But the congresswoman comes back in and is asking Liz if there are any messages, especially from Mr. Pierce. And Liz is like, no, he didn't call. And then Meg, she did something that you were, like, not a fan of. Listen. (laughs) Liz is so bad at lying. We've covered this because she says just the most out there, outlandish thing that's easily disprovable. And then she just she doesn't think her lies through liz just says go bowling oh uh he left a message that he's never coming back and he's gonna break up with you and he never wants to see you again and the congresswoman obviously is like can i listen to this message and liz is like i deleted it he sounded really cold and really mean and i didn't want you to have to go through that like 
Elizabeth. This is clearly a lie. <laughs> You're God. lying to a congresswoman. That's got to be against the Constitution or something. <laughs> Ugh. So Liz is kind of dismissed. Uh, we get more foreshadowing about the the missile Cuban Missile Crisis in Matt uh, in Max's class, and he's eating this up because he's realizing he is the leader. He's been voted as the leader, even though nobody here voted for him. He's been voted as the leader, and so he's trying to take um, he's trying to take real world examples and internalize them and do a good job because he's realizing that whatever's happening is getting more and more dangerous and he is going to have to make some difficult decisions and he's kind of freaking out about it. I don't blame him. And so in order to get, we kind of talked about this a little bit before in uh-huh. order to get some uh, more information, he goes snooping through Brody's things, finds the little handheld, you know, light up thing or whatever and gets caught by Brody who then promptly Shocker. fires him because I mean, you have an employee sneaking around looking through stuff that they shouldn't be looking in. I mean, that's definitely a fireable offense. And so they, yeah, he gets fired. And Liz, I don't think what she did was a fireable offense. I think it was a bad decision if she had really um, deleted it, if she had really erased that, that message. But her actions have consequences. Uh, Meg, what does she find her boss doing? Uh, shredding and drinking yeah i don't know if there are different rules for congress people on the job but especially when you have a minor you shouldn't have alcohol on the premises (laughs) you shouldn't be drinking at work yes that's definitely true if it's after work and it's your office great do what you want whatever but especially when you have a minor she comes in and i really liked this scene but Liz comes in and realizes that the congresswoman is shredding everything that has to do with P- Agent Pierce, which is all the alien files. And I was super surprised that Liz didn't try to steal any of it. Like, I would have thought this would have been the perfect opportunity for her to smuggle some of these pages out. But she's helping the congresswoman shred everything. And and they kind of have a moment where they bond. where mm-hmm. And Liz gets to be... Liz she's always Liz but she really gets to open up and and say what she's feeling because like with Maria Liz is trying to be strong and be like it's Max and Tess they're together I accept it it's fine and she can't be like that with Max she can't be like she doesn't have any other friends besides her alien group of friends she's not going to go to Kyle and complain about this and so when the congresswoman starts getting her talking about like Oh yeah, I I had a I had a boyfriend, but someone from his past came back, and I I just decided it wasn't worth it, and things like that. And she's like, "What's her name? And do you like her?" And she's like, "Her name's Tess." And the congressman was like, "Tess? What kind of name is Tess?" And just really gets Liz to like let her guard down and just be like, "I hate her. I really hate this girl. She came in." And basically took my, my friend, took my, took my man. And, but Megan is all as it seems. No. And I got really taken in by this too. And I was really sad because I was like, okay, maybe the congresswoman won't be the villain of the season. But no, this was all a ploy to get Liz to drop the name of the girl. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So now she Wait. knows. But um, I've got, I've got a little song spoof. Are you ready? I'm ready. 
alien, 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 alien. <laughs> I'm begging of you, please don't take my Max. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That's all I got. That's a great one. We get Isabel being pulled between Michael and Max again because one of them wants to break in and go look through Brody's stuff again. That's Michael. And Max is just like, no, we need to blend in. Michael has a really great point here. Yes, Megan. Oh, quick tangent. Every time you say Brody, I think of that bit from The Incredibles where he's trying to remember Buddy's name. Brody. (laughs) No, Buddy. Buddy. Incredible. (laughs) Michael tells Max, because every time Michael brings up the suggestion, we see this all through season one. We've seen it you know the last two episodes of season two or the episodes of yeah anytime michael brings up an idea max shoots it down immediately and michael finally says listen i don't remember our past life but from what we've been told i was your trusted second in command and that probably meant you used to listen to me and so now we get this added extra layer of interpersonal relationships of this is how we are Versus this is how we've been told we were, but we don't remember, but we all kind of fit into these slots anyway. So I don't know. I don't know. Megan, I maybe we talked about this a little bit, but if you were told, hey, you have a destiny to save this race or whatever, but you don't have any information about it, like. Yeah, I'd be what? like, uh, can I get a few more facts in here, please? Mm hmm. And so that's what Michael's trying to find. He's trying to find the facts. He breaks into the UFO center and he's almost caught by Brody. Uh, What happens is Brody has the, the little device in his hand and it sends out a pulse and it knocks Michael back and he gets some boxes, you know, they fall on him and, and he's able to get up and escape. But we later find out he's bruised his ribs up real good. Uh Yeah. Ouch. And this is what convinces Isabel that they need to go kill Brody. Yes. Isabel volunteers. Isabel wants to do a murder. And I am hoping, I am hoping against hope that since Michael got to do murder by the end of season one, maybe we'll see Isabel go off the deep end and murder someone in season two. I feel like I have to reiterate here that I'm very against murder in real life. (laughs) But compels me, though. In a fictional setting. (laughs) I'm against the glorification of murder, but I am for the empowerment of women. (laughs) I support women's rights, but more importantly, I support women's wrongs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Max is stuck in the middle, and he doesn't want to be stuck in the middle, and he wants to make the right choice. And I loved this scene because we get a scene with just Max and just Maria, which we really haven't had i mean we had a little bit of one in the previous episode where they talk about hey remember how we were friends we've grown closer as friends over the past three months while liz is gone but they have this great conversation where he's like i just want to do what's right and she's like i don't know what you're talking about but she she basically tells him which i actually really like because maria reminds max that JFK wasn't the stand-up guy that everyone always makes him out to be. That, uh, you know, he cheated on his wife. And uh, she then brings Tess into it. She's like, well, maybe you guys are alike. 
you know, and she tells Max that we saw you. Liz and I saw you walking Tess home. And Max is just like, okay, there are so many other things going on right now. Can yeah. you just, can you just not? Can you just not do this? Apparently, though, she has to. She ships Liz and Max. She's the biggest Max and Liz shipper because she told, she talked to Liz earlier saying i want you to get back together now she's Mm -hmm. talking to max saying you need to hurry up and get back with liz you know she's like i know that you're dealing with like all this alien stuff yeah but you also need to follow your heart i'm just like yes liz i'm glad for the i'm glad for the speed run i'm glad for the speed run relationship that maria and max apparently became best friends over the summer Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so max has decided to step up and be the leader and so Max, Isabel, and Michael all show up in black to the UFO center. Like a bunch of freaking spies. Except Michael's wearing a sleeveless hoodie, which is a weird choice, but whatever. <laughs> Listen, he, it's fashion. He is the moment. He's still dressed up fancier than a ton of the people at the Met Gala. Do you know what? That's, That's not true. true. That's not true. I saw a slideshow of like a lot of the lesser known celebrities who really did go whole hog in their Met Gala outfits. I don't want to be a complainer. I just really want to go to the Met Gala and go whole hog on my outfit. I'd be fancy. And I say this as someone who's worn a different outfit to the Ren Fair every single weekend <laughs> this year. But yeah, they show up ready to do some murders. And I love this about season two is season one felt like it kind of dragged on in some places like there was only one thing going on in each episode and i feel like Mm -hmm. in the last couple episodes multiple things have been going on at the same time and they're doing a really good job balancing their a b and c stories and so max suddenly decides because he starts having flashes i don't know if they're flashes or if they're memories just about all the violence that has happened up to this point Emily, how have we not talked about the weird multiple scenes talking about how incredible of a leader JFK was? We have. I I feel like we've mentioned it, but I would like to state here, we go back to history class like four times to hear the teacher go on and on and on about the burden of leadership that was placed on JFK. And we spend this entire scene on like, max evans ponderous face and you brought it up in that scene with like him and maria if he's like how can i be as good as him but it was just i feel like they wrote one very long jfk monologue and then they realize okay we can't just sit the audience still for three minutes to hear this we've got to splice it up but it was just like why didn't we talk about like other leaders throughout history why was it just this one it was a little weird to me i wonder if it was because it was specifically the missile crisis and how things like built and built and built mm-hmm. and like the whole world was watching and we yeah. were on the brink of a nuclear war. Or we were on the brink of another another war. And, okay. and I think that example is well known enough that they could tie it into the way Max was feeling. But I also agree yeah. with you that it was, yeah. Anyway, and then, like you said, the conversation with Maria where she's like, Yeah, he wasn't that great. He cheated on his (laughs) wife with tramps. (laughs) I bring that up because in this flashback sequence that Max is having between 
the murder of Agent Pierce and his own torture and the deaths that he's seen so far in season one, it's all intercut with flashes of Kennedy's face. And then Max says, we're not doing it. We're not murdering anyone. I'm going to talk to him. And Maria and Isabel and Michael are going to push past him and kill anyway because they've tasted blood now and they're they're all for it. And then Max demonstrates his brand new green shield power, eco energy. And they're like, what did you learn to do that? And he's like, recently. So I think this season we're going to get a whole lot more of alien power shenanigans. I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to it. Nice. Uh, and then he goes to talk with Brody. And Emily, what do we find out about Brody? Well, initially, Maggie, were very excited with this scene because you were like, I knew it. I knew he was an alien. Because the way that this conversation is going is Brody is talking about, I knew you were one of us. And he's talking to Max. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to reestablish contact and we want to go back. And he's going on and on. And luckily, Max is smart enough that whenever Brody asks him a question... He doesn't give away the whole truth. He just kind of says kind of half-truths to to get Brody to keep talking. And it's finally revealed that Brody believes he was abducted by aliens. Not just believes, but he feels he has proof he was abducted by aliens. Because, Megan, why? Like the proof he was abducted? Oh, right. He had terminal bone marrow cancer. And now he doesn't. So there is a healing alien going around abducting people, curing them of their terminal illnesses, and then just dropping them back into society. Huh. <laughs> and, and so, Matt... Oh, sorry. Um, In an earlier... Oh, no, it's it's a scene after this. We find out how Brody got all of his money. Um, Is that he was part of a computer startup. So I am hoping against hope. Because Brody thinks that Max was also abducted by aliens, and that's why Max wants to find out more information. And so I'm hoping against hope that Brody becomes an unwitting ally on our side as we're doing research. That, you know, as great as Max's boss in the first season was, he didn't have a lot of accurate information. Um, And so I'm thinking as part of the season two sweep, bringing in this new character, uh, they want to give the kids more assets and more um, resources in their hunt for discovering the truth about aliens, aliens for sure. (laughs) And we know some stuff, but we want to know more. (laughs) (laughs) I miss my PlayStation. I want to play Star Wars. I want to play Horizon Zero Dawn. Get an airplane ticket and come out here and get it. But my cats. We'll be okay for 24 hours. Or have someone come stay with them. Okay, I'll think about it. Okay. I would have to clean my apartment if I wanted someone to stay with my cats, though. I've been doing half-hour pickups every day this week, though. Good job. I even started decompressing the pile of boxes in my front room. Very good. So now that we have all this information, I loved this next scene. It's Isabel, Max, Alex, and Tess at the Crashdown Cafe just sitting, having a meal, talking, sharing information. Remember, Megan, in season one, a lot of times people would get information and then not share it with anyone and then be betrayed when someone else had information and didn't share it with them? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 
this is great because they're making sure everybody's on the same page. And this is where we reveal how Brody, how rich he is, how he was initially a millionaire. And then when he started talking about his abduction, his company thought that he was going to be a liability. So they, they bought his shares for $300 million. That's so many dollars. That's so many dollars. Listen, my cool friend wants to start an animation studio and they're trying to raise just $1 million. Good luck to them. I really want them to start this studio because I want to make stuff with them. But I'm like, man, $300 million in 2000s money? You could make so many cool animated shows with that. I wonder if we could figure out what inflation. Inflation money calculator. Uh, It only goes to 2021, so... Uh, do you want to hear a fun fact I learned this week? Yes. The eventual showrunner of Battlestar Galactica, Ron Moore, uh, in this season of TV pilots, TV episodes, uh, Ron Moore was working on a Dragon Riders of Pern pilot for WB. And unfortunately, his Pern pilot, um, was crushed which is very sad but he came on to season two of roswell as a co-executive producer just after the pern pilot was laid to rest you would also be pleased to know that he was a co-executive producer on star trek voyager and deep space nine and so my guess now this this is part is conjecture what i just said was facts this part's conjecture um, I'm guessing he knew Jonathan Frakes from Star Trek, right? That makes yeah. sense. So yeah. he would come be co-EP for season two of Roswell before going on to create Battlestar Galactica. Uh, $300 million in 1999 money would equate to $517.7 million U.S. dollars today. Good grief. I know, right? That's crazy. That's a ton of money. A metric ton of money. <laughs> um, so they, they talk about, like I said, you know, who he is and what he's doing there. And I also love this scene because it gives uh, it gives the other characters a chance to kind of poke holes in some of maybe the plot holes that, that the audience members may have asked. Because one thing Alex asks is why did the device like send out a pulse to get Michael and not Max? Or anything like that. And uh, it's explained that the thing just went off. Brody had nothing to do with it. And so Uh I thought this was a really great scene to kind of wrap up some loose ends uh, without hearing Brody and Max talk about these things. And then then have the audience watch Max tell everyone these things. Just that we've come into it after it's all been explained with just a few follow-up questions. In media res. Media res. I was going (laughs) to. Listen, this this technically isn't in media res. This is just oh. good doling out of exposition. In media res refers to when you start a story in the middle. So which nice. I thought, which I thought this episode was doing. Remember at the beginning, so I'm like, oh my gosh, they're having a party and Max is running. What is he running from? And then I was like, oh yeah, and Sato got murdered in front of him. <laughs> oh dear. We get another great scene with Kyle. Oh. Oh, how much have we talked about Kyle's Buddhism? 
Oh, not very much. We haven't actually. Just that he okay. was saying weird stuff at the beginning. Yeah. So when Tess was invading his room, she was also reading all of the magazines under his bed. And we get the, you know, tired old stereotype that all teenage boys have porn magazines. Um, but sandwiched in between them was a Buddhism for Beginners book. And like like I, I think I did mention earlier that he's wondering about his place in the universe now that he's known about aliens and things. But yeah, he and Tess have a moment where he's like, hey, uh, you can just have my room. I'm going to sleep on the couch while you're staying with us. And he makes him crack about not needing they, material possessions. and They clutter the mind. Yeah, she starts to call him Buddha boy. And I'm not... Listen, I'm glad that Kyle's looking for answers. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about the storyline of, like, he found this mystical, Asian, magical religion. Um, I'm just gonna... I'm gonna have to wait and see how I feel about the Kyle and Buddhism storyline. All right. Well, to wrap this all up, there is a skin among them. I knew it! I knew it! <laughs> it's Courtney. I mean, right? It's Courtney. It's well, Courtney. I mean, we have a pretty good indication, Meg. What does she do? Uh, she goes into the bathroom and peels her face off. <laughs> uh, first, she has like a really weird and flirtatious conversation with Michael about piercings. And my guess is she's doing it. She wants to drive a wedge in the alien's chain of command. And so she's going after Michael in the hopes of getting him to turn against Max. Eventually. That's my that's my thought. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then she's like, she says to Maria, cover me. And Maria's like, ugh, what else is new? And then Courtney goes into the bathroom and just peels an extra layer of her face off. So what's with these skin creatures? How often do they have to shed? Like, why do they have to shed? Is she a shapeshifter? Can she look like other people every time she takes her skin off? Or is this her consistent form? I'd be interested to know. Well, we'll just have to keep watching and find out. That was season two, episode two, Ask Not. And now we are going on to season two, episode three, Surprise. Surprise! Megan. What are your guesses? Do you have any guesses? Well, I mean, it's a surprise. Am I supposed to guess it? I Could you guess it? I'm going to guess it is someone's birthday. And we are planning an extravagant party for them. However, at the party, some preternatural shenanigans happen. Whether that's the skin-shedding alien coming after them or just some secrets being revealed, I do not know. But uh, I'm going to guess that someone tries to plan someone else a surprise birthday party and everything goes awry. Nice. Well, I'm excited for when we get to watch that and get into it again. And thanks for watching this with me, Megan. And I'm really excited. We're in season two. Me too. (laughs) Uh, But for now, I got to get back to my book. I got to get back to painting now that Photoshop has recovered my file. (laughs) Uh, I believe in you. I believe in you, too. Ready? Break! Hello 
everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to My Sister Made Me View It, the 1999 Roswell edition. We just enjoy having everyone here listening, having a good time together. And uh, as a little extra special treat for you guys, we wanted to make sure you knew that we have two other podcast feeds that we regularly contribute to. Um, so if you stick around next Tuesday, June 21st, our third episode of Our Flag Means Death will go up on our miscellaneous feed. You can find this on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Google Play, all that fun stuff. Uh, we are covering it. Megan has seen the show. I mean, the show had been out, I don't even know, two months and she'd already seen it like nine times. She loved it so much. So she finally got me to watch it. And so we're going through it episode by episode and kind of giving our reviews on what's going on each week. Uh, so after Tuesday 21st, if you join us on June Thursday, the 23rd, that is when our next Words of Radiance will go up. That's part of the Stormlight Archives by Brandon Sanderson. Megan uh, has also read these tons of times and is getting me to read them for the first time. Spoiler alert. It's so good. <gasps> it's so good. We're getting into book two. Ooh, it's so good. So if you guys join us then, that would be great. And then again... June 28th, we're going to have another uh, Our Flag Meets Death episode comes up. And then June the 30th, our next Roswell episode comes up. So you've just got so many options. Just come pick one, pick them all, whatever. We're happy to have everyone there. Uh, special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm. We appreciate it. We use it on all of our podcasts. We love it. We love it. We love it. Oof. Come see cute pictures of our pets, run fair outfits, just random stuff that we see throughout the week on our media feeds, social media feeds, uh, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at sis made me view it all one word. Uh, and in the meantime, if you could close this week out, uh, by maybe giving us a little love, sending us a review, sending us a rating, uh, that just helps us so much. We do not pay for advertisements. We don't have, uh, any, what's the word for it? Not patrons. We'd love to have a patron, but we don't we don't uh, have anybody sponsoring us yet at this moment. Maybe one day in the future, but we are not there yet. We'll get there. We'll see. Uh, so if you guys want to head on to Apple iTunes, Spotify, I'm sure you can do it on Google Play. I'm not super familiar with that, but pedantics. Anyways, what is not pedantic is you guys, our listeners that we love so much. And hope you guys have a great week. We just really appreciate you. And it's just fun coming together and hanging out and having a little time out during the week and listening to you know us just chat and go along and talk about weird stuff we appreciate you guys letting us be weird and remember we believe in you 